Well, good evening, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. Um, if you hear some noise out there, it's because we're having like one hell of a thunderstorm. We have for the last three days, just bam, like big old hail coming down and, and the rain pelting us. And the other night, the lightning was so loud. It's, it's so loud in Montana that your whole house just like shakes and you're like about ready to fall out of your bed. <laughs> so tonight's show is sponsored by Compton Family Wines, Derek Rosa Real Estate, Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Um, we got a whole crew of people out there. Bill London's here tonight with your news. Kim Stark has a really cool interview. She uh, knows a gentleman who he's a farmer and he creates a product that you can put on trees and it gives them a 20% better chance of not burning. So it could be something really big for Oregon and California. Well, the whole country actually uh, to be able to put this on trees and it's really inexpensive and it's very ecologically sensitive and friendly. So um, she's going to be talking with him about that. So we got just a whole bunch of stuff for you. Um, let's just get on with the show here. Dancer here. Before the fall rush sets in, now is the time to get in to see the dentist. Oregon's best dentist and still my dentist is Dr. Michael Bratlin at Chris Dental in Eugene. Dr. Bratlin and his staff are second to none. You have a tooth you need crowned? Give them a call and they'll get you in ASAP. Remember, at Chris Dental, everyone is welcome, vaccinated or not. And our first interview tonight, we got Derek Roser of Roser Real Estate coming to us live from the VFW over in uh, River Road. Because you got a big, you're like a car nut, aren't you? Oh, I love I love cars. Well, you know, I love my new Bronco, but you know, I love old cars too. So I I like your new Bronco too. Every time I see a picture of it, I'm going, that is a really I like the color, the weight. But you know, you're you're, you're into this stuff. So it's what's kind of going fun on? Stuff. What's going on at the VFW next month? Well, we're actually out here at the American Legion, Rick. I'll correct you, but that's okay. We're oh. post eighty post. That's all right. Post eighty three of the American Legion and. Uh, they are putting on September 11th. It's a Hot Rods and Heroes car show. It's a fundraiser for um, for American servicemen and women that they support at the American Legion. Hall. So, if it's if it's not till September 11th, how did you wrangle some guys to bring their cars down there? Well, you know what? They just they get excited about their cars, and you know they wanted to show them off. They give me the opportunity. We got a we got a Chevelle. We got a Ford and uh, we got old 57 Chevy over here too. So it's um, pretty cool, pretty cool. And and we got the Bronco in the background there, right there. So I, I saw you know, that I, you, I saw you strategically placed it in a place where people could see it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't help myself. So it's, anyway, it's I gotta get back here where you can see. It. Yeah. Okay, so to show us these cars. All right. So let's see if I can do this. It's following you. Um, there you go. So there we go. All right. We got a 57 Chevy here. Pretty sexy beast. And I don't know the 68 or 69 Chevelle. Let's see. With a 396. Whoops. There's me. You don't want to see me. Are you, are you following one? You know, Derek, that Chevelle. I, used yeah. to have a, I had a friend in high school that had one of those, and we take it to Seaside. And you cruise, and all of us really like that Chevelle. Yeah, it's a beauty. Yep. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm not doing very good control on this thing. But then we got a this awesome little Ford over here. Wow. 
Yeah. So how many, Derek, how many people do this, like bring their cars out? Do you know? You know, they said they're expecting 100 to 150 cars out at this show. So, um, you know, it's free, open to the public. It's it's Sunday, September 11th. Hey, and Derek? Yeah. Derek, would you show me the taillights on the Chevelle? And one of our oh, yeah. viewers, Steve Lovely, says he can tell you what year it is. All right. He said, Steve, is that the one you're talking about, the Chevelle? I think it is. But show him the taillights. Now we're going to test Derek's. Derek got a new gimbal, so. How, how, we, how am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. No, you're doing good. All yeah. right. All, All right. right. Oh, so now we're back. Now we're back to me again. You don't want to see me. You want to see the cars. Your so. right-hand woman says 82 cars will be there. 82. Okay. Oh, okay. So we now know it is a 1969 Chevelle. All right. Well, I knew I was close. 68 or 69. So. Do you have a cousin named Angie? Do I? Oh, that's my wife. So, so Steve is my is my wife's cousin. So there we go. Oh. We got lots of input from the family here. Now I'm catching on here. Now yeah. I'm doing it. Okay. I knew you had a yeah. wife. I thought if you have a cousin and a wife named Angie, that's kind of weird. Yeah. A little messed up. Yeah. So that is. <laughs> so can can other people join in, or is this kind of they have it set at the 82 cars? Do you know? No, they can they can still sign up. People can still sign up. Come down here. Um, there's uh, just come down to the VFW or the VFW. Now you're now you got me messed up. Down to the American yeah, Legion. The American and, Legion. Uh, yeah, it post eighty three. You probably just knock on the door. Um, there's a little bar downstairs. If you go downstairs, um, get a beer and um, tell them you want to register your car. You know, Derek. So my next question is, how come you know where all the little bars are in the VFW and the American Legion? <laughs> Every time we have you on. And you're do. I know you do a lot of service stuff, but you're um you're always there. You, you that's the best place to meet and talk, isn't it? It is. It's great. You know, I I really have fun talking to these guys and listening to their stories or their lies or whatever it might be. So you know, um, <laughs> and Derek and Derek has a few of his own, I'm sure. I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. All so right. yeah, I just uh, this is this is something I'm promoting. Um, I'm gonna. They're actually gonna have a live band um, after the car show is over, kind of the show in shine, and um, I'm gonna be uh, basically providing the live band. So. Well, you're paying for the band. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! So after the car show, then there's gonna be a band there. After the car show, there'll be a band. Yeah. So they'll be, and people will be hanging out and just enjoying the cars and things. So, yeah. Um, I can't tell you exactly the hours, but we can get that to you and we can run it across the screen. Maybe Casey can put it in there. Okay. So. Casey, if you know the hours, would you put that in the comment section? Um, Gary tells me that the only year that those taillights were on that Chevelle was 1969. He used to own one as a kid. He traded it and he's regretted it ever since. Yeah. Well, there's a couple beautiful. This is a preview of what's going to be here on, on, on September 11th. So. These three cars will be here, I'm sure, along with uh, 79 others from the sounds of it. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much and um, yeah. for all that you do and everything. All right. Appreciate all you. All right. Man. See you later, man. Okay. okay. Again, you guys, that's Derek Roser Real Estate Group. Um, he was my realtor when we sold our house. He, um, I'll tell you one of the funny things. Well, there's a ton of things that he did for us. I mean, just during the process. But my favorite thing that he did was at the end, um, you know, we'd lived there 30 years, 25 years, whatever. And uh, he brought over a trailer, <laughs> a big trailer. And he said, just put all your junk in there 
and that you don't need and then I'll haul it off for you. And I'm like, well, we don't really have need for that. You know, <laughs> we filled it over the top and then we just drove off. And it was so nice knowing that he was going to come there and pick it up and take it out of there. So that was an awesome, like kind of a little surprise that we had like that for uh, all that stuff. So um, what are you guys doing this weekend? What do you have planned? Um, one of the things that you should plan is to go up to Philomath and right in town, right on the edge of town, but it's really in town, but the edge as you're coming in from the coast, you'll find the Compton family wines and Tabitha is going to join us. I'm giving you your warning. That's your warning. There she is. Boom, boom, boom. And Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. So you're, at, you're actually at the winery, like where you live. Yeah. We're at the vineyard, the at property. The, yeah. The vineyard. I see. I'm learning these things and how vineyard is where the grapes grow and wineries where the wine is made. Did you hear that thunder? No. Oh, we have so much thunder. So cool. I mean, yeah, the, your grapes would be very sad because yeah. it's, it's a lot of rain with it. So you guys have been doing wine for how long? Um, uh, next year will be our 20th year. And you do, what are your, what kind of wines do you do? Give people well, kind of an idea. I should, I should correct. We were amateur winemakers for a long time before we started the winery officially. Yeah. Um, the question is what we don't make. We make a lot of different wines. Um, Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir is our main. We have rosés, big reds. We have a lot of selection and people like us because of that. We have so many different wines to share. So a lot of people just like whites. They get to actually taste quite a few white wines. And yeah, reds too. So it's pretty cool. I think, you know, and I think it's hard because once like for people like myself and Kathy, we find something like if you find a Merlot, then you just start drinking Merlot. And right. then you see Cab and you go, I don't know how that's what that's why people need to come out to your 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 winery this on the weekends um, and and ch and check this out because you can try some. I would we had one the other day that I don't remember what it was a Sauvignon Blanc or something. We And we never even tried it before. Oh, yeah. We have a Sauv Blanc. We have a Pinot Blanc. We've got Riesling, Gewürztraminer. Well, because you so get many. bored with the same thing all the time. And you get used to, oh, I drink Cab. Well, then that just means you're limiting yourself, you know, and, and trying something different. And you guys have the wine club that people can come in and taste. What are your tasting hours on? It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Right. Yeah. And this weekend we have um, we have wine on Growler on tap, too. So a lot of people come in and bring their own crafts of beer crafts or whatever but we'll fill it up with wine and uh so i actually have a i just sent an email out today that i have a guest tap of a sparkling wine which is sand lily friends of ours that are in bend actually they uh we make their wine for them too and so that's on one of our guest taps so we have eight different wines that we pour from our taps too as well as all the other wines that we have so typically we have about six different wines that we have Oh, gosh, plus a lot more. It's crazy. So tell them about your little champagne in the – it's not champagne. I'm sorry. It is sparkling, sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. Yeah, we have CO2, which is our sparkling wine. And we I have rosé and then a white wine. It's a white blend. And, yeah, it's pretty lovely. And we do have it in cans. So it's great for the summertime. I just went rafting uh, yesterday and drag it along with you and keeps it cool as you're floating the river. So are you, are you kind of popular with people that way? Like, Hey, let's go down the river and Oh, we should invite the Comptons. <laughs> <laughs> you would think uh, I actually, a lot of friends who go wine tasting and then the few friends that I do go with, cause I don't typically go wine tasting. They're like, you're really beneficial to bring along. I'm like, yeah, cause we get some pretty good deals cause we're in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I know we stayed, Kathy and I stayed at a Airbnb down in uh, uh, near Jacksonville. 
And the people, you know, we, we just kind of, you know how we are. We just kind of start being friends with these people, start talking to them. They go, hey, we got to go pick up all of our wine from the wine clubs in the Applegate Valley. Oh, cool. Do you guys, guys want to go tasting with us? So it didn't cost us a cent because they got it for free and they got to bring two guests. So Kathy and I just trolled along with these people uh, to all the different wineries. And oh my God, we tasted some really great wine. And it was a super fun day because the more wine you drink, the more friendly you get, you know. Right. Wine is important for our social development, don't you think? <laughs> sure, it is for mine. I used to be pretty introverted, and and I think wines helped me. <laughs> <laughs> that and a margarita, right? Right. <laughs> so again, it's Compton Family Wines, uh, located in Philomath. Open what time to what time? Thursdays through Sundays, noon to five. Okay, so show up, and if you say that you saw this on Rick Dancer's show. You can save $15 on two or more bottles total, $15 on two. They'll explain how it works, but you get a deal if you say you saw it on Rick Dancer. Tabitha, totally. thank you. It's nice seeing you again. Thank you. All Take right, care. see you later. All right, bye-bye. Uh -huh, bye-bye. All right, so Compton Family Wines, um, that's the place to go. And just go out there and, you know, and have some fun. And then there's some cool little places in Philomath to eat, or you can always go into Corvallis. Ask them where the nice places are to eat um, because there's some really very organic places around there that are very popular and they can kind of help you get steered in the right direction if you want that kind of help. Um, okay. So I want to show you something. If you guys, we are trying to move a lot of stuff to our Facebook page or our, our website uh, because Facebook tends to throttle us back a little bit. So Tim, who works with us, um, he put together this little video and this shows you how you go on. So you go onto the site and you click, and you're going to go to subscriber content and then you're going to go and you're going to subscribe you fill this out and then what happens is you will be on a special list that as we get going we're going to put special content on there that only goes on that site that only goes in that place so you can go sign up on our email which is great but at the same time you go up to that top corner again and you click that button I'll show you how it works again. Oh, I'm on the wrong place. There we go. And then you go through to home, go up there, and then you're gonna hit subscriber content and you go down and fill out the paperwork and it'll get you subscribed. And that's what we're trying to move people to uh, so that we can um, no longer be censored by the social media gods as they are. Um, Kim Stark did a really cool interview with us yesterday and it was absolutely amazing. I didn't realize what the guy was talking about. Oh my God, we are just in the middle of a storm. Hopefully we'll keep our signal. Um, and this gentleman um, went to OSU and developed this product that he's trying to get out for people because he says it'll really help reduce um, forest fires in Oregon. So here is Kim Stark and her guest. Look who showed up. Well, look who just popped up here. Kim Stark, you know, I have to tell you, I saw your picture on Facebook the other day with all of the people we used to work with. Amy, oh, yes. Aaron. <laughs> they Amy, were all there. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I looked and I went, oh my God, they're, police, do they know that these people are hanging out together? I know. We had to kind of go incognito. We posted the photo after the fact. It was, it was a little sketchy, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it was good to see everybody. It was fun. Kathy and I were both going, oh, look, and picking people out. But some of the pictures, oh. you were so close to the camera. We, we recognized you, but we took us a while on Erin because her yeah. face was like, you know, the, like that. She was. I know. Brenda took that photo so squishy. I know. I got to get on her about that. We'll you got to tell Brenda to pick up the pace. So, Kim, what do you have for us tonight? Okay, so tonight, so this is fun. I've been wanting my friend George to come on for a while, and I, and I luckily got him to come join us. He's a busy man. He does a lot of stuff. Um, so I found him. He and he actually came up with a solution all on his own. He's an agriculturist, and he lives in Junction City, and he created a solution that's fascinating. So I'll be putting the website for people who want to go get more because you're going to have questions, but I'm going to talk to George tonight. You guys are going to get to meet the founder right now. Okay. <laughs> Hi, George. Well, hello. Good seeing you. <laughs> it's great seeing you. Thank you so much for coming on tonight to talk about your product. So I wanted to tell people, I was mentioning we'll have the website up so people can click on it for all the info about what this what this product does because it's so many things. Um, but I wanted to tell you have you tell us what like kind of made you come up with this idea for, for Solbear based on your background, if you could tell us about that. Well, I've been in agriculture since getting out of OSU when I was 22, 23. And uh, so it's been a few years. And then I also grew up on a century farm and still farm today. But uh, the main reason that we came up with it about 23 or 24 years ago, um, I was working in the apple industry in Washington and sunburn is a, a real issue on apples. And so, um, like every researcher does, you go back and look and see what's done in the years past. And can you, you know, develop another new thing or something better or whatever from the cell phone? You know, now you have the 14 or whatever it is from the original cell phone. So you keep working and working. Anyway, I've been doing that for 23 years. Wow. And uh, we noticed, though, about 20 years ago that when you uh, we came up with this uh, calcium product, that the apples were bigger, the trees were bigger, the leaves were bigger. And so we noticed this growth phenomena. And to have growth, you have to catch more carbon, and carbon's only in the air. So that's what kind of started off the research to make a um, better product and something that would help trees and plants retain more water and work better. So that's where that started, was from the sunburn industry in apples 23 years ago. Wow, that is a long time. And you spent hours and hours in the lab at OSU, I know, um, perfecting this product. And it started, if you guys have had a Washington apple, you've actually tasted this product. It's safe. Um, it's made of calcium carbonate. It's totally from the earth. And not only does it help with your agriculture and for our plants that we eat, but then you found that you could perfect the solution to treat trees and protect them from wildfire. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the uh, we the moisture changes all the time or the rainfall changes. And some people related to climate change, sometimes it's cyclical climate that happens. But the trees do run out of water towards uh, August and September. And when they do, they put off volatile compounds that also increase forest fire. But when you put this material on trees or plants, it substitutes for about 20% of the water they need at the time. So you can cut your water back about 20%. Well, in forests, they don't irrigate. So they just get natural rainfall. But still, 
when you put this product on, it's like giving those trees 20% more water and it makes them less uh, vulnerable to a fire. Or if there is a fire that comes through, they're a lot more healthy and they can resist the fire as it goes through. I know that one of um, the hopes is to have this actually sprayed on trees, acres and acres of forest land. These trees would actually be um, have a protection, a layer of protection. And as we know, fire season is uh, scarier every year. So that's an important part. And then if you, you touched on it a little bit about how it can help, how it does help with the atmosphere, there's what you said, billions of dollars being poured into trying to get carbon to go into the ground right now. Yes, there's, um, I don't recall, but I think there's 35 or 40 uh, carbon capture products or companies, I'm sorry, excuse me, that are uh, trying to take uh, CO2 out of the air and put it into the ground. And then like a thousand years from now or 10,000 years from now, it'll become calcium carbonate. So um, that's kind of good and bad. You got to applaud the efforts, but for every pound of CO2 you can capture and put in the ground, a plant will produce four pounds of pure clean oxygen. So a plant captures one pound of CO2, puts out four pounds of oxygen. When you put CO2 in the ground, you don't get any oxygen. You don't get any water savings. And um, the other thing is everybody likes clean air, you know? So you're going to be pumping a lot of pure clean oxygen back into the air. Yeah, it makes a lot more Did sense that? to focus on something natural. I mean, what would you say to people who are skeptical and say, how, how do we know this will work? It sounds too good to be true. Well, if, if you wanted to um, look at the cost, right now the cost of cabin car, capture and putting it in the ground runs about $1,000 a ton of carbon. That's, that's the cost. And it has a carbon footprint to it too. Tree store carbon underground. 40 to 50% of the tree that you see is underground. And even if it's uh, cut as a forestry tree, you still leave half that tree in the ground or at least 40%. And that carbon is going to be there for years and years and years and years and years. So um, it, it's a little bit better cycle. Our material costs, if you sprayed it two or three times through the summer, would be less than $100 a ton to capture. In fact, it would be more reasonable, be more like, about uh, depending on the size of the forest and the trees, but between twenty and forty dollars per cost per ton. <laughs> George, I can't Wait. stay away. This is such a cool thing. So I knew I knew Rick would have questions. Yeah. It's just what people don't think about is that tree is also a carbon a carbon sequester. I mean, it's holding it. it it's it's preserving it. So every house that's built out of two by fours. There's carbon is being stored for the life of that house and that, that, that board right there. And if you're protecting more plants and more trees, then we should be planting more and, and, and you're saving them rather than coming up with new, it's nothing wrong with new ideas, but God already kind of made this tree a filter and all those plants that the farmers are planting. Um, and so if we get to a point where we're planting less, that's, that's the opposite of, of caring for the climate, right? Right. We're trying to get the forestry people to look at it because the cost per tree when you plant the little seedlings about a half a penny. Wow. 
And that will give you about a 20% better survival rate just because of the water thing and the whole nine yards of being a stronger seedling when you put it in the ground. So that's that's one aspect. But yeah, it's it is. They're they're the lungs of the earth. Trees are the lungs of the earth. So uh, we take in oxygen and put out CO2. Trees do put out a little CO2 at night, but that's another science discussion. So we won't go down that path. <laughs> well, and they put out a lot more CO2 um, if you let them burn. And if you don't protect them and they burn, then you've got a bunch of CO2. And then if you let them just rot in the ground, you also have CO2 coming out from the rotting. So it's, it's better to, to preserve those trees and make sure that they're living the longest life that they can. It, it really is. And when you compare it to underground storage, it's not even close. Uh, there's one of the senators, and I don't, I, I don't want to say his name. I don't remember which uh, fellow it is, but he came up with an idea. If we could plant 30, excuse me, 50 billion trees, we'd solve this problem. And, and what NASA says, as a side note, NASA says if we could go back to 1960 levels, we'd be in good shape as far as climate change goes. But there is not room for 50 billion trees. Right now, the Earth has about 30 billion is the estimate. It seems like a little number to me. But anyway, uh, if you look at how you plant trees and you do the math, we can plant about six. There's a, about enough room for 16 billion trees to plant in North America. So your mine is quite a few trees. But if you spray the trees that we have, that's like increasing your forest by 20 percent. George, you're a genius. That's pretty cool. I, so, if you get to a point, Kim can get you, you can get my information. I've got a lot of contacts in the timber industry and with healthy forests um, organizations that would love to probably hear what you're doing. I'd love to connect you to them. Yeah, we're, you know, agriculture, you get your crop once every three months or six months, but only once a year normally, sometimes twice if you're lucky. Forestry is every 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. So what's important to us on an annual basis uh, hasn't really been looked at at forestry because they have such a long-term time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So forestry needs to look at agriculture a little closer. <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh, we will be delving into this. And you guys, uh, you have to check out the website. It has all the info about this product because I know you guys will have some questions after seeing this. And George can be found in Junction City. I can, I can find him for you. <laughs> Thanks, George. Thank you. See you later. Kim, that was awesome. How do you, how I do know. You, how do you know George? What do you hang out at the farm or what are you doing? I know, you know what? He married one of my really good friends. So what do you know? There you go. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that's a cool idea. And especially right now, we need all of you people, you know, especially farmers and people that are yeah. experts at this stuff, rather than listening to politicians, we need to hear more from people who actually know what they're talking about. I know. I'm going to try to dig up a few more. <laughs> all right. Kim, I will talk to you later. Okay. All right, Kim Stark. Uh, we love what she does and all the help she has for us. Um, we'll get to Bill Lennon in a second here, but I want to show you our newest thing. This is like a self-promotional thing. Um, our Airbnb is ready. In fact, we have somebody coming in tomorrow, and so we're kind of rushing around doing it. Um, but let me show you that, and then we'll get to Bill. So here we go. So here's the view out the uh, Airbnb. Uh, that's the little barn we have. And then right out there is Canyon Ferry Lake. And you can see that it's all out in here. Then we have this beautiful yard. Excuse my towel hanging out there. A nice little setup here. 
for people to sit out here. And they can barbecue if they want. This is the living room area. Here's the master bedroom. And then there's one more bedroom. So let me show you because I'm kind of proud of my little project I worked on. So we had all these pallets in the backyard. And what I did was I ripped them up. Oh, see, we have a welcome sign. And there's our little coffee bar. And that's the kitchen. So it was just an arched here with a back wall and that sink. None of that else, that other stuff was in there. And then I found this out in the field. It's an old drill and put it up. And then this is a PV from the warehouse or mill in Springfield, Oregon that I got probably 25 years ago when they went out of business. And this is an old fish hook uh, from the Oregon coast that I found at a museum or a, a resale place. So what we did was we went to Townsend Flooring and Chris over there had this piece of butcher block. And it was a leftover, a remnant from one he had uh, for somebody else's project. So he told, sold it to me for a hundred and a quarter. And then he cut it and sanded it for us and put it on here. And we saw one smaller than this at Home Depot for $199. And then this is a vinyl product. At our old house, we had tin, but it rusted. So this is a vinyl product. You can cut it with scissors. And we put that on here behind this. And then this is all pallets that were down in the backyard that I asked the former owner to, to give me. And then look at this. So this is the bottom of the pallet. So this is the pallet was up here. This is each side. And then I kind of just made this little artwork, um, just set it off and make it look kind of cool. And the cabinets, then Chris at Townsend Flooring also had one of his installers come over and install these for nothing. So he paid the same price we would have paid online for the cabinets, really good price on the top tabletop. And then we've got this small refrigerator in here, a full-size brand new oven. And then if you go this way, this takes you into the master bedroom and big, that's a super comfortable king size bed. And look what you wake up to. You have a little sitting room and then I don't know, this camera won't go through there. I'm going to have to get right up there. Your view of Canyon Ferry right out there. Then you come in here, and this is the doorway we had put between the upstairs and the downstairs, all insulated, so you can't hear anything down here. You come in, uh, we've got this brand new furniture, uh, love seat and a couch, super comfortable. This is your room, wood stove, the hutch, brand new television right here. Um, and this is the wood... It's going to be stacked with wood so that people, you just bring it in from outside and then people can just use the wood stove to heat or there's radiant floor heating as well. Um, down here, this is the hallway. That back bedroom is going to be locked. Uh, that's a storage room for us. But here's a second bedroom. Um, queen size bed, super comfortable. And also a view of Canyon Ferry Lake. Now, check out this bathroom. So in here, so we've got two sinks for our guests. Of course, your fancy little toilet. And then here's your shower. A nice, beautiful, rock bottom 
tiled shower. It's an awesome shower. Um, and that we also have for people that are long term and want to stay for a while. Uh, we also have a washer and dryer downstairs, um, but that's not going to be available to just one and two night people. That's going to be available to folks staying for a longer period of time. Um, so that's the downstairs and what we got going on. But I'm just kind of want to show you because I'm just kind of happy, real happy with how it's turning out. I want to show you one more thing. So the one more thing I'll post tomorrow. It's my next project, our master bedroom um, with barn wood and everything. It'll give you a little glimpse of the upstairs and stuff. So, yeah, we're pretty excited. And we do have our first guest coming in tomorrow uh, for two nights. So uh, and the dining room table, somebody asked, it's, it's we're looking for one. Uh, we just want to find something that's going to fit. We don't want just some table. We want something that's going to fit. Uh, Bill London I've had some stories. And as always, he will delight you um, with our news tonight. Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I am Bill London, co-host of the Wake Up Call, 6 AM to 9 on News Radio, 1120 KPNW. Look, there's a sign back there. It even says that. See? See that? See? 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 And by the way, the news tonight doctor, brought to you by uh, Dr. Michael Bratland of Chris Dendel. Thank you, Dr. Bratland. This is me. Hatting Dr. Bratland. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's a look at some of the stories we're following tonight. We're going to start off with this, and that is Arkimoto founder Mark Fronmeyer said that his arrest last month for drunk driving prompted the company's decision to remove him as CEO, and he acknowledged he'd been drinking before police cited him while he was on one of the company's electric vehicles. Fronmeyer pleaded guilty in a Eugene court earlier this week on charges of driving under the influence of intoxicants, and he agreed to enter a diversion program that could erase the conviction if he completes it. Arkimoto reassigned Fronmeyer to the newly created position of chief vision officer. He said the new job gives him time to think about the company's future. Arkimoto is one of Oregon's most prominent young companies, but it's at a perilous moment. Missed production targets and a looming cash crunch threaten the business's future. The startup made an unusual decision to hold a public stock offering in 2017, even though it was a little company still working to get the business off the ground. The IPO attracted attention for its little weird three-wheeled electric vehicles that started $18,000 apiece. And now, though, growing financial and operational problems have put Arkimoto's stock under a uh, well, shall we say, a pretty ugly outlook. Its shares plunged from a high of 36 bucks last year to earlier this week, $2.23. They've struggled to meet manufacturing goals amid supply chain problems, and last week they said they'll miss their 2022 production goal of just 1,000 vehicles. They declined to issue a new target, but said its factories are keeping up with demand, which suggests that demand is also way below any expectations that they had. Additionally, Arkimoto is facing a potential cash crunch. The company had just $5 million on hand at the end of June, down from $17 million at the end of December. Executives said on an investor call last week they're working on a new funding plan, but they're not describing it. The company didn't set a timetable for finding a new permanent CEO, 
Fronmeyer said that Arkhamoto does plan a thorough research. All right, so let's take a look at the political stuff. A nonpartisan political center has now changed its prediction for Oregon's three-way gubernatorial race from leans Democratic to toss-up. The University of Virginia's Center for Politics made the announcement Thursday of last week, saying that despite the state's blue lean and that Republicans haven't won any major gubernatorial race since 1982 when Governor Vicatia won re-election, it considers the race to be open. It said the competition between progressive Democrat Tina Kotek, Republican Christine Drazen, and non-affiliated candidate Betsy Johnson all who served in the legislature, had created an unusual dynamic. The center noted that Johnson, a former Democrat, is, quote, more conservative than most members of her former party and had garnered the support of Nike co-founder Phil Knight, who typically backs Republicans. They say, quote, the race sets up an unusual situation where the winner may not even crack 40%. They noted that outgoing Governor Kate Brown, a Democrat, is, and I quote, deeply unpopular, and there may be some desire for change in the Beaver State. Well, let's talk about Oregon unaffiliated candidate for Governor Betsy Johnson. She rejected the endorsement of former Republican lawmaker Mike Neerman, who helped Demonstrators entered the state capitol while lawmakers were in session in December 2020, which they closed to visitors at the time, saying it was COVID-19. Now, here's what Johnson said, quote, I didn't ask for his endorsement. I don't want his endorsement, and I reject his endorsement. He broke the law. He incited violence at our capitol, and he's an extremist. I reject his views and any extremist who would try to tear the state apart. That's why I'm running for governor. Nierman's colleagues in the House Republican Caucus joined with Democrats in 2021 in a nearly unanimous vote to expel Nierman from the legislature after surveillance video showed Nierman opening doors for protesters and a separate recording service that showed Nierman coaching people how to text him when they were outside a door to the Capitol in what Nierman called Operation Hall Pass. Now, remember I said it was, you know, nearly a unanimous vote. Well, the only person who voted against it was, well, Mike Neerman. He voted against his ouster. It's interesting, though, how the media has lined up against Johnson and all but ignored Republican Christine Drazen. Now, Drazen and her past has all but been ignored by the usual media suspects, while everything negative during this gubernatorial campaign has been aimed at Johnson. There was a hit piece, for instance, in Rolling Stone that was published last week trying to make Johnson appear whacked out. I'll even read you the headline to the piece. It reads, and I quote, Oregon's next governor could be a machine gun toting darling of GOP mega donors. And then underneath that, in bold caps, it says, She's campaigning as a straight shooting moderate, but Betsy Johnson despises wokeness, blasts Portland as the city of roaches, and plans to keep the state CEOs on speed dial. Then, in the opening paragraphs of the article, it states, Johnson is not a middle-of-the-road politician. She owns a Mac-10 submachine gun and received an A rating from the NRA. 
On the campaign trail, she comes across like a pro-choice Ron DeSantis, vowing to give a voice to, quote, really pissed off Oregonians who are, quote, terrified of the progressive left while blasting wokeness as another form of intolerance. Of course, it doesn't mention anywhere in the article that she's also blasted the extremist right. And for all of her, and going back to the article, it says, and for all of her claims of independence, Johnson is only relevant because she's received millions from some of the state's most powerful corporate leaders, including $1.75 million from Nike founder Co. Knight. Now, keep in mind, it was well after she announced that she was running that she received that money from Phil Knight. But anyway, so we look at that, obviously very slanted. And then you have a recent article in the Liberal New Republic, which ran a headline, quote, a grassroots anti-environmentalist movement grows in Oregon. The rise of timber unity offers a worrying case study of how successful rural organizing can be when it's bankrolled by the GOP. All right, so the article is ostensibly about timber unity and where it came from and how it grew. And let's be honest, the article is very negative of timber unity. As a matter of fact, the article tries to link timber unity with white supremacists, which is not true, and it does its level best then to connect Johnson with the January 6th riot at the Capitol in D.C. Now, let me read the paragraph to you. It says, quote, That year, Angelita Sanchez, a co-director of the Timber Unity Pack, who attended the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the Capitol, won a city council position in Sweeto. In this year's midterms, one of the group's early supporters, Betsy Johnson, a former Democratic state senator, is running for governor as an independent. Johnson was one of the first people that she called when she heard about the cap-and-trade bill. Later, poked and prodded Johnson about running for governor. Johnson, and I'm quoting the article, Johnson's gubernatorial platform derides extremism and political polarization, but her proclamations ring hollow. Given her ties at a timber unity rally where she held up a woodcut of the state house at the podium. What's obvious is that the media considers Johnson a threat to the status quo, which is all liberal and democratic, and a threat to Tina Kotek. Other than one single article in Willamette Week, where Kotek's former boss at the Oregon Food Bank, who stumped for Kotek when she first ran for state office, said that she was backing Johnson because Kotech is the root of Oregon's problems. There has been zero negative articles about Tina Kotech. Zero negative investigative press about Kotech. No critical articles. Nothing substantive about her past. And little about the way she's bullied her colleagues in the Capitol. Little about how rural Oregonians 
absolutely do not want Kotech to win. And for their obvious reasons why, there has been absolutely zero press given to that. And it goes to show you how biased and disingenuous the media really is. Now, I will back that up. And mind you, this is anecdotal, but it is a story and I was involved in it. This goes back to 2008. I was at a rally where the keynote speaker was Bill Clinton, and it was in Albany, Oregon. He was stumping for his wife, Hillary, who was running in the primaries at that time against Barack Obama. Now, since I was a member of the press, I got to stand at a special area near the back, and along with other media, there were a number of Oregon Democratic dignitaries that were also there in the same place. One of those dignitaries was then Oregon Secretary of State Bill Bradbury, who up to that point was one of the most partisan secretaries of state that the state of Oregon had ever seen. Bradbury was talking to the lead political reporter for Oregon's Associated Press. Now, the two were talking about the upcoming primaries in Oregon and how important it was for Democrats to make gains in the Oregon House and Senate. And Bradbury said, we just have to stop the Republicans if we're ever going to take full control of the state. And the AP reporter, you know, the so-called objective, balanced media member said, and I quote this because it stuck with me, well, just know that we're going to do everything we can in our office to make sure that happens. And I certainly will because I hate the Republicans. Now that was over 15 years ago and it still sticks with me because it's so blatant. And honestly, the media now is way worse and way more slanted than it ever was 15 years ago. Now I have no problem having friendly conversations, or even a beer with a politician, but you don't sell your soul to them. So what I believe is going to happen is you're going to see a full onslaught of let's kill Betsy Johnson coming from the media in Oregon and nationally. Expect it. It is going to happen. And it will get worse when we get closer to the election, particularly if any actual independent polling shows that she's neck and neck with Kotech and holding a lead. And you can also expect the media will continue to ignore Christine Drazen unless she does something hideously stupid on the campaign trail. Batten down the hatches because propaganda is going to be coming your way. All right. That's it for me. Rick, time for you to roll out the carpet of real, the red real carpet. Rick? I think you already did that, Bill. Um, he's right on. I mean, I worked in it. And um, there'd be like two of us who were conservative, more conservative in our newsroom. And I had a boss, when a news director, tell me one time, well, that's why you're here. You guys can keep us balanced. How does that balance a room of 30 liberal people when you have two conservative people? That's not balance. That's not even because, because what are we going to do? Fight you? Um, there were stories they wouldn't let me do, um, like on abortion, because I was uh, more pro-life. Uh, they wouldn't let me do it, but they'd let a woman who was actually very pro-choice and worked with organizations who were pro-choice do those same stories. But I couldn't. Um, and then the one year when the news director was gone, 
and a story came up and I was the only one to do it and I did it, turned it in for awards and got every award that you could get on it. And all the people said that was the most fair report we ever had. And part of the reason it was so fair is because the photographer I picked was more liberal. So I picked somebody who was very opposite of what I was thinking. So we've created a keep each other honest. That's how you're supposed to do this stuff. You're supposed to go out of your way to make sure that the other side is heard. So yeah, I covered neo-Nazis, um, had to, didn't want to, don't, totally don't agree with them, but we had to be fair too. And I hear people today going, I wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? That's the job or that used to be the job. Um, you know, and so what we do here, I get ticked all the time. People, you don't present both sides. I present the side that's not being presented. There's enough of the other bullshit out there that everybody's getting. I'm trying to present the stuff that you don't hear every place else. Because if we don't act and do the right thing, especially you folks in Oregon, you got a one shot at this. Um, they've been planning this super majority for decades and they've been slowly manipulating with their, um, with their redistricting. They did it again this year. They redistrict the, uh, the Republicans and conservative people right out. They don't care about fairness and voice. They care about winning. They care about them winning. And what that does is then when we have something like the COVID, um, we get lockdowns, we get shut out and things that other states didn't do um, that destroy people and destroy our kids and destroy lives. Um, and there's no one to stop them because there's not enough power out there to do it. So this is a really important election. And I don't think it's any better to have a majority of red over a majority of blue. I think it's a balance that we got to get back to. <clears throat> so don't just vote. If you have a bumper sticker that says I vote Republican or I vote Democrat, that just says I'm stupid and I'm narrow minded and I'm hateful and I'm spiteful. And I, I vote for um, because I believe that I'm better than other people. Start looking into who you're voting for, because fairness is what it's supposed to be. Um, in the media, there's no fairness anymore. Um, so anyway, that's what I do. I try to present the other side, what people are thinking. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Have a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday. have a really cool story for you on fires in Oregon. A guy uh, with the Douglas uh, Timber Operators um, put together some video. We're going to have a discussion with the sheriff and another gentleman uh, about what happened to kind of prevent what's going to happen from now. And we're going to be doing that every month, a different story on those. And then a whole bunch of really <clears throat> cool other stories next week. Um, we're, we're kicking some ass around here. And our numbers show it because people like what we're doing. And the more, the more that you push, the more the trolls come out. And so just expect it, you know, and ignore them, learn to, learn to look beyond them. Uh, all right. We'll see you later. Have a great weekend.